If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 186. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve, second place Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA and European Tour action, namely the CJ Cup at Summit and the Estrella Dam and the Thea Masters. Good morning, gents. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit BeGambleAware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, massive tournament statistics, and our predictor models. All available completely free of charge. There is no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are on Twitter. Paul is at Golf Betting. I'm at Bamford Golf. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast. I say this each and every week, but so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you call it. As ever here, or as ever for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Now, this guy is taking it to a whole new level. The title of the podcast is, or the review, Doing Hertfordshire Proud Five Stars. A great weekly listen. Every base is covered on both sides of the pond and is full of depth analysis and tips. I believe Steve and Paul are in Hertfordshire, or they're Hertfordshire-based, and I'm in Hertford, so another great reason to listen, exclamation mark. Keep up the great work, by boys. And that's from Geo2110, who clearly lives in Hertford, Hertfordshire. Lovely stuff. Thank you, Geo. Yeah, we're not, we're not far off. You don't live in Hertfordshire, do you? Well, Bedfordshire, it's... Uh... Slightly more exclusive, Steve, isn't it? <laughs> what, what Bedfordshire? <laughs> yeah. More exclusive. Yes, we're uh, we're in we're in yeah, we're in the vicinity, woods, yeah. aren't we? I might I might bump into uh, into him one night in the Hartford on the rare rare occasions I go there for a drink in the kebab shop, maybe. Maybe in the, yeah, maybe. maybe in the kebab shop afterwards. Yes. Should we talk about last week? Okay. I hit another. I hit another second place. Steve's second place, Bamford. We had Tony T for to, uh, fee now. We've now got Tony T two fee now. I think I might start calling myself Steve's second place, Bamford. Why not? Uh, you have to say Sung Jm mightily impressive, uh, holding off. Although there wasn't a lot of holding off on the back nine. Matthew Wolf, and these are the these statistics are exactly what you need at TPC Summerlin, the Shriners Open. He hit 41 of 56 fairways. That's 73.2%. He was 62 of 72 greens, 86.1%. Strokes gained, ninth off the tee, sixth on approach, first for tee to green. And those four consecutive birdies, 10, 11, 12, 13, just... Whilst he was doing that and putting the pressure on, Matthew Wolfe was bogeying two of those four holes, and all of a sudden there's a four, there's a six-shot lead. Game over. Yeah, and he could just coast home from there, couldn't he? It's, to get himself into that position was mightily impressive, um, and yeah, from, from there there's there's no need to push the envelope, is there? You just uh, you just sit back, and someone's gonna have to do something incredible to to even get close to that. Totally was on. So. Often flatters to deceive, though, doesn't he? Say that again, Paul. Sorry. I say he often flatters to deceive a bit, though, doesn't he, Sungjae? You know, you know, there's the qualities there. You know, he's capable, but he doesn't always push on at that kind of pace and that kind of momentum on a Sunday to actually justify the prices that he's often chalked up at. I was just about to say, do we get a cut of his winnings? What what cut could we legitimately ask for? (laughs) 
I mean, even a micro percentage. It's unbelievable how you can make the pick like we did in our heads, rip on it, and and not back it. It's the timing is it was kind of um, sick, but the logic behind why not we weren't backing him or wouldn't back him, you know, was was quite uh, like Paul said, it's quite good. It's just um, it's just frustrating timing, I guess. I mean, finally goes and does it. I suppose the fact that he's he, he's he makes cuts like a machine, and and generally doesn't fall away. So his name is always there hanging around. I mean, that obviously has to drive his price to be low because he's a risk factor for the bookies. Mm. But I think I think you'd have lost money if you'd just been blind backing him, even each way with maximum places. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm just looking at my preview from last week. He was, you know, I do the I do the rolling eight week numbers, which I think are very useful. He was sixth for off the tee going into that, and he was third for strokes gained tee to green. He was also sixth for strokes gained total over the previous eight weeks. But yeah, I think I think someone he or someone in the team clearly listens to the podcast, Baron, and it was that motivational factor he needed. To stick two fingers up at us. Mm, the hex from Hertfordshire. Grab himself a rather nice check of about $1.9 million and 500 for X cut points. But yeah. Oh, also, he did... I mentioned T, uh, I mentioned TPC Scottsdale last week, the Phoenix Open. He finished seventh there in uh, previous season. So, yeah. But 33 to 1, yeah. good A good winning price, but... As you say, he's, he's he's always the sort that's completely marked by the uh, marked yeah. by the bookmakers. If he, if he's peppering top sixes, top eights, and rewarding each way backers for that kind of price, then you could take a chance that one week he'll produce that kind of Sunday round that's going to uh, that's going to get him over the line. But uh, he wasn't screaming it, was he? But uh, these boys are all capable, and any one day they'll you know they'll, they'll find those. 14 holes that get him into that position and the rest is history you'd have to really blow up from that point to uh, to blow it but yeah no well done with Wolf he was uh, he played well regardless it was a good uh, good place at what was he 45 to 1 you picked him up at I think 45 to 1 still in that still in that I've got to deliver some performances area because he's he's hanging on to that top 50 in the world spot and I yeah, we've done this for a long time, haven't we? And you know, we followed golf for you know, over 10, 12 years, and you do see at this time of year this top fifty spot becomes a real situation with these elite golfers hanging on or getting into that top fifty to get that Masters invite and to to really you know get get yourself in a great spot going into the into the new year. Matthew Wolf, just for reference. 32 of 56 fairways, so only 57.1% of fairways hit. And on Sunday, he only hit 4 of 14, 11 of 18 greens. That just isn't going to get it done. Putter stayed red hot, though. So he did get... At least he didn't At least he didn't do the usual and finished tied ninth. Um, I actually had Gooch one shot out of the each-way places, and I also had Tom Hoagie got a top 15. So maybe there's something in these, I don't know, maybe if there's something, I know this is very popular in the States, top 20, top 40 bets, but maybe it's a situation where with some of these, I mean, we get extended each way places over here. So it's difficult to say, well, actually, I'm going to back top Tom Hoagie, top 20 at 6 to 1, when actually you're getting eight places at like 200 to 1. Mm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's an it's an interesting angle. Now, let's talk Spain as well. I mean, yeah. it, it was like a redemption, I wouldn't say redemption week with Sung Jae-in, but it was certainly a redemption week for Rafa Cabrera Bayo. Yeah. yeah, and he he had been... abs- He's had an absolutely abysmal season over in the States, losing his PGA Tour card. And he's come back to Europe and to deliver in his home open. That's a fantastic performance, especially when he was in the shootout with Arnous. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't without drama, but uh, he got there no. in the end. And he started off the year well, didn't he? I think he was he fourth or sixth or something like that at Abu Dhabi. He was 
showed some promise, but then, um, yeah, as you say, the form fell away completely. And if you looked at his form line coming into this, um, he was an easy scrub off the list, even though he performed well the last time that uh, that he played it at uh, at the track. But uh, but yeah, him and Adrian Arnous. Arnous has suddenly turned into an incredible patter, hasn't he? He's, um, he's, he's absolutely... Got, got away with all sorts of stuff off the tee last week and managed to get himself into a contending position and, and in truth there were times when perhaps he should have just pushed on and won that golf tournament but um, didn't didn't manage to, to do that and after an early double on um, on Sunday Rafa, Rafa kind of galvanised himself and eventually got there in the uh, in the playoff but yeah, I, I mean, the big story really was John Rahm, wasn't it? I, I, I tweeted after, I it must have been about 10 o'clock on Thursday morning, he'd already gone odds on. And that's when he was standing on his, um, he was standing on the green on his fifth hole of the day. And having started around about what, five to two or nine to four, I think was the best price by the time that they'd actually started on Thursday. Um, yeah, four and a bit holes in and uh, he's already gone odds on and... Stayed at that kind of price pretty much until um, it was clear that he wasn't going to win the tournament, which um, you know he had to get into Saturday before he started to uh, started to drift down the leaderboard. Eventually, finished in seventeenth um, from the position he was in. That was a bit flummoxing, really. But yeah, I mean, other than off the tee, these, these stats were pretty poor, and it, it, you know you can't expect to win if you're not. Uh, not playing as well as some of those guys who really were performing at the top end of the leaderboard. But yeah, he's in danger of losing his world number one this week, apparently. John Rahm, if uh, if uh, yeah, if DJ wins and Rahm finishes outside the top 15, we can have a, a bit of a flip-flop at the top of the uh, the world rankings. So perhaps that'll, perhaps that'll galvanise him for this week's test at Valderrama. That's an interesting angle, actually, because... This, the CJ Cup that they're playing this week is usually played in South Korea, but you know we're in COVID times, or whatever. So they're playing it again, two years, second year running in Las Vegas. Um, it's a different course, but we'll talk about that in a second. But I remember the year that Kepka won, which was the second CJ Cup. So that would have been 2018. He had done okay at the Ryder Cup at, at um, in Paris. He'd then gone straight to um, St Andrews for the Lynx Championship and finished in the top 10. And by winning the CJ Cup out in um, Jeju, uh, he landed world number one. So that's an interesting angle with DJ. Five out of five at the Ryder Cup. Clearly got his mojo back. Could turn up at the summit this week. And get his world number one back. I don't know if that motivates DJ, to be honest. No, it's difficult he's, to He's know, been really world number one a number of times, isn't he? And he's so yeah. laid back. But yeah, it's an angle. Yeah, it is difficult to know what, what really... He needs John to help him, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, on a, on a track like Valderrama, it's... Um, you know, the, the, there's certainly scope for Ram finishing. There's scope for Ram winning, of course, but there's scope for Ram yeah. finishing further down the field if things don't quite go his way. It'll go one or two ways for John because you know a, a beautiful, classical, globally renowned golf course like Valderrama might just bring the best out of him. Yeah, or he might be it's hacking kind of, out of the cork trees for. Yeah, it's one or two, isn't it? So that's last week done and done, done, done and done or dusted with. Let's talk this week. Uh, before we move on to the CJ Cup, I was going to mention Ladbrokes. They have gone seven places each way of 50 odds on both of the PGA Tour and European Tour events this week. So you're getting seven places at the CJ Cup. You're also getting seven places at the Andalusia Masters. That's four additional spots across both tours. That's more than Betfred, for example, Skybet, William Hill, Unibet, BetVictor, Bet365. So a decent offer there, four additional spots. If you open up a Ladbrokes account via golf betting system this week, 
you will access their bet five pounds, get 20 pounds in free bets promotion. That's also available in Euro if you're in the Republic of Ireland like Barry. Um, uh, key terms and conditions, of course, available at Golf Betting System. But yes, four additional spots this week with Ladbrokes. I've actually chalked up my top player this week with Ladbrokes and, and taken those seven places each way at the CJ Cup. Now, the CJ Cup is play, being played at a new course, the Summit Course, which, again, like last week, is in the Summerlin district of Las Vegas. Um, getting information about this course was um, tough. But uh, we got there in the end. Um, it's a pri- It's one of these private um, uh, residential areas which um, has rather um, illustrious um, people that own the properties there. So I've read that Celine Dion lives in this particular summit club. And when you, when you buy one of the condos or houses here for how many million dollars, you get instant access to the golf course 365 days a year. Um, Celine Dion lives there. Apparently, the guy that owns the Raiders NFL franchise in the t- in the city, Las Vegas, he lives there as well. The golf course itself is a Tom Fazio design. We've seen quite a few of those recently. Think Caves Valley, which hosted the BMW and uh, BMW Championship uh, in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Congaree. Do you remember Congaree? They played the Palmetto. It was about 40 degrees Celsius every day. Yeah, they were frying down in Carolina the uh, week before the US Open. Conway Farms is another one. That's hosted the BMW Championship 2013, 2015, 2017. If I remember correctly, God, Paul, you, you'll never forget the BMW 2013, will you? Zach Johnson winning at Conway Farms. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Yeah. You tipped him up forty to one that week. Yeah, Jim Furyk shot a fifty nine that week. That was on Furyk as well. I can remember who won the twenty seventeen one. That was Mark Leishman twenty fifteen. And was, was that Jason Day? I think it might have been Shadow Creek Golf Club, where they played last year's CJ Cup. That's another Fazio design. Plus, he's also done a lot of work on various um, tour stop offs, like Riviera Country Club, the Genesis Invitational, Quail Hollow. That was he did the work for the 2017 PGA Championship. So if you've got any results at Wells Fargo, uh, the Wells Fargo Championship since 2016, that's a Fazio renovation. He's also done work at the Seaside Course where they play the RSM Classic every year. So loads, he's done loads of uh, design and renovation. Merion and Oakmont as well. So it's 13 and 16 US Opens. But this effectively, I mean, you just got to look at the background, haven't you? So it's um, it's a it's a place where extremely wealthy individuals live. It's a resort golf course, effectively. It's not going to be a tough golf course. Um, it's an 07 golf course. I, I've typed it as a resort scoring desert, par seventy two. It's seven thousand four hundred thirty one yards in length. Don't forget, we're at altitude this week, so you can take 5 or 6% off those 7,400. So effectively, it's going to play closer to a 7,200-yard par 72. You know, I would assume the pros are absolutely licking their chops. There's water hazards in play on seven of the holes. Fairways of Bermuda grass overseeded with perennial rye, as is the rough. The greens themselves... They're large, 6,580 square feet on average. And they feature a bent grass I've never come across, you know, Steve Agronomy Bamford here, Dominator bent grass. Must be a new strain of bent grass. But these are pure bent greens. I just think, and the weather forecast, I mean, last week was quite surprising, wasn't it? Friday, they actually had some rain in Las Vegas. I'm surprised some of the uh, players actually had their brollies and wet wet, uh, wet gear, but they did. And then in the afternoon, it was whipping up to 25, 30 mile an hour gusts of wind. So that kind of Astrodome golf that we usually get in the desert, uh, last Friday, it wasn't, I mean, that blew quite, I mean, blew Hideki Matsuama completely off the course. I know that. 
But um, there were a few that got caught in that afternoon um, set at, um, at Sumlin that really struggled. But um, I, the, the weather forecast this week looks just perfect. 25 to 26 degrees Celsius, barely any wind. So I just think this is going to be another typical 20, 22, 23 under par job. I think if you're shooting, uh, if you're shooting 66s every round, 67s, you're going to be there or thereabouts. Also, just to add a little bit more detail as well, wide fairways, <laughs> I mean, this is it. Just wide fairways. Couldn't give you a number, but I've just you can just visually see they're very wide. Um, large greens, seven thousand two hundred yards effectively at sea at two thousand feet above sea level, par seventy two, and the greens are going to just be so pure. It's just going to be very very low scoring. The first seven holes, you could effectively. And this apparently has been done. Seven straight birdies is not out of the question whatsoever. The first is a drivable par four, as is the fifth. The third and the sixth are reachable par fives. There's a hundred and thirty-eight yard par three, the seventh. You know, it's just it's there for the taking. Um, apparently, um, Colin Morikawa lives on site, so. That isn't actually. I mean, I uh, let, let's be frank. I've put him up. I've put him up as my top point, uh, choice with Ladbrokes, sixteen to one. Um, that wasn't really the main reason I did put him up, but you know, it helps. Clearly, he uses this. The, the, apparently, the practice facilities here are absolutely fantastic as well. So he uses this as his practice base. He must have played this course a lot of times because he lives here effectively. Yeah. Um, he's also the course record holder, apparently. Yeah, a bit of familiarity with the actual course itself is never gonna, never gonna hurt, is it? Even if it is a resort track, which you know, most of the players are gonna be able to get their heads around very, very quickly. Even so, having a little bit of, uh, bit of local knowledge has got to be a, got to be a positive, I think. I read a piece that said that Maverick McNeely, who also is a Las Vegas resident, has recorded a 61 here. I mean, the names are interesting, but the scores are even more telling, aren't they? 61 Maverick McNeely. And Colin Morikara has recorded a 62 around here. So 10 under and 11 under par, Morikara and McNeely. Uh, Xander's also living in Las Vegas these days. I expect that Xander's played the course a bunch. Um, I'm sure that loads of them have as well. Yeah. A lot of the PJ Tour guys, as we know, come out here. Uh, there was rumours that Ricky Fowler might be a member, but I can't verify that. I did read that. Um, I would have thought... We found this out with Kokrag, didn't we, last year? You know, it, it, it took him to hit the lead and be interviewed. Oh, yeah, I've played here a bunch. I'm an MGM resort ambassador, and we play here every t you know, two, three times a year. I love this golf course. Yes. You just never find that stuff out before the event, do you? Yeah, you could have told us that last week, Jason. Yeah, it'd been fantastic. Um, I don't. I haven't really got a lot more to add about the course. Um, it, I just think they're going to take it apart. I mean, wide, short, and big, big, pure bent grass greens. I think it's going to be, and the weather's going to be easy. Great field, absolutely great field. Seventy-eight man short field, so you get you're getting a maximum of seven. Uh, let me. Th Ball sport, yeah, ball sports gone eight, haven't they? Ball sports have gone eight yeah. places each way this week on this event. Yeah, he compromised price. Seventy-eight man field is ridiculous, ridiculously good. Um, so I actually took a ball sports price on one of my selections as well, on the basis that you're getting a full eight places each way, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, I tell you what made me titter a little bit. The, the, basically, sixty. The, they, they go down the FedEx Cup from last year and they say, do you want to play? So they take the top 60 from the FedEx Cup, right? Um, Jason Day, Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler, Tyrrell Hatton, Rasmus Hoyegaard, Ian Poulter, Justin Rose, Adam Scott and Gary Woodland all needed sponsor exemptions. <laughs> that just says everything about this tournament. It's got depth. Uh, it's got a 9.75 million purse. And because there's no cut, Players can see this week. Players that are in need, I would suggest, of FedEx Cup or more OWGR points 
can really use this week as a big, big platform for whatever they want to be using that platform for. And that's kind of about, that's kind of where I've gone at it. Um, I'll start with my top selection. I've gone for Morikara, 2 points each way, 16 to 1 with Ladbrook, 7 places each way. Clearly home course, play, um, practices here all the time. But what, I, you know, we watched the Ryder Cup, didn't we? And Morikawa, after struggling with a serious back injury, well, serious, struggling with a niggling back injury across the FedEx Cup playoffs. The swing had gone, the approach, his, his old game had gone. All of a sudden, he turned up at Whistling Straits and the partnership he had with Dustin Johnson was immense. But actually, you go into the stats of that as well. It certainly wasn't DJ being carried or a DJ carrying Colin Morikawa. Um, Morikawa topped the 24 players on show at the Ryder Cup. He birdied or better 39% of the holes that he played. For the record, Dustin was at 34% and Daniel Berg was at 33%. He also shot an estimated 18 under for the week in terms of scoring, which was second only to DJ. And don't forget, DJ played a match more. Morikara actually got dropped for one match. And you just, that's what I saw with Morikara. There's also a trend here. You, you, if you go to Kepka, as we mentioned, towards the top of the show, but also JT's a two-time winner of this, and I actually scored JT the second time. There's something here about someone that's in the top five in the world rankings that's had a victory in the last five appearances that just goes on and wins this at a short price, and Morikawa ticks that box perfectly because, of course, he won the Open Championship before the FedEx Cup playoffs. The other one that would tick that if you would include the Olympics, would be Xander. And as we were with Xander, Xander's due. Um, I'll upset Naples bagels. We know that Xander in no-cut events like JT has got this crazily good record. So if I was t if I was going to pick two from the top, it would be either Xander or Colin. I've gone for Colin. Um, the DJ angle on the world on world number one is also interesting. But yeah, Morikawa, he makes sense to me. Uh, he won his first ever maiden PJ Tour victory in the desert in Reno, in Nevada, the Barracuda 2019. So he knows how to get the job done on desert golf. Now, I've then gone for selections at 50 to 1 and above. Is there anyone towards the top of the market or anyone in these mid-prices that you two like the look of this week? Um. Yeah, I've only backed one, but he is in that bracket. Um, I've backed Tyrrell Hatton, who I thought made a big improvement at the Dunhill links on his last outing. And we've seen with Hatton, he's that kind of momentum player. He can go through patches of form which are pretty, pretty nondescript, really, pretty, pretty flat. And then he finds something, he finds some form, and he can maintain it. He can, he can rattle out a couple of wins on the trot when he's playing well. He can rattle, rattle out a couple of really strong contending performances. Um, so second at the Dunhill Links on his last start is good. Of course, he's coming over to the States, and that's um, a different level. But he's got a PGA Tour win. He knows how to get the job done. Um, what I like about Hatton, six European Tour wins, but... He has won on the 8th, 9th, 11th and 15th of October for those wins. We are currently talking on the 12th of October, 2021. Yeah. So he's, he's got, in terms of buyer rhythms, in terms of his wins, he's um, absolutely nailed this stretch in October over the, uh, over the years. Um, so if there's going to be a win for him in October this year, it's, it's going to be this week, I think. It's going to be, it's going to be here and right now. Um, 85% greens and regulation in his last start. That was much, much better for, for Tyrrell. In fact, that was his best iron performance since, uh, finishing sixth in this event in the CJ Cup back in 2019. So 40 to 1, I've taken Hatton. Uh, he's got a great record on this. 14th, 6th, 3rd, pretty immaterial because we're going to a new track, of course. But um, he's, he's got some progressive form in this particular event and potentially, perhaps he'll keep that going on a new course over here in Vegas this week. But yeah, he's, a win he's, off, He loves a win off a strong finish as well, doesn't he? Hatton. He does, yeah. I, I think he's, he's that kind of momentum player, I think. He needs to... Yeah. 
He needs to see the birdies dropping. He needs to uh, he needs to feel that his game is progressing the right way. It gives him a real boost, and then um, away you go. He, he, he can rattle off a couple of really strong performances. So, so yeah, in this field, I thought forties was worth having a dabble on. I had Xander in this last year. Clearly, he finished second because I'm Steve's second place Bamford. Um, I also had Hatton that week, and he finished third. So yeah, he, he's he's got a good record in the CJ Cup. And clearly, this this October situation seems to fit in nicely in his schedule. Um, I know Barry, you won't. Have, you're not. You don't fish in those kind of waters, do you? If you were going to take one of the guys at the top, Barry. We, we forgot also doing, uh, we don't do recently, which seems to be a popular segment, um, Fade of the Week. I mean, we got Sung Jae-im really good last week, didn't we? On, <laughs> we, on we, did it week. La- we did it last week, but we just didn't read the sponsor's intro to the uh, <laughs> the segment. Um. Who would you take at the top? I mean, I'm reading this right now. DJ and Xander and uh, JT, effectively, you can't. You can't split them. They seem to be twelve. I mean, JT for some. I mean, if you if you fancy JT this week, go to Ball Sports because they are offering them eight place each way at fourteen to one, which is the best price in the market of anyone right now. JT, he's as short as ten to one with um, other firms like Paddy Power. But you know, you you basically they're saying Xander, DJ, JT. We can't split them at the top, and then you've got Colin at sixteen to one. Um, Jordan Spieth at 22s. Who of those top five or say, you know, McElroy, Hovland below that, is there any one of those that you, I know you're not going to, but who would you favour? Yeah. Or can't you answer the question? I, I can, but I'll probably be wrong. Um, I'd, I'd, probably pick, I'd probably pick Justin Thomas purely because it's the, he's got the, the, the CJ, the two wins in this. So, um, you know, good vibes coming in. Probably, re- you know, sorry, they all want to win, but you know, he's had a little bit of a messy uh, season, um, and so, so there's that little bit of motivation. Um, but yeah, to split hairs between them is difficult mm-hmm. enough. So uh, I w- like again, like I wouldn't be surprised if DJ just like went like DJ crazy. Um, yeah, it's it's just. It's, uh, how do you? How do you? It makes it tough when the prices are all the same or more or less the same. Yeah, the bookmakers certainly can't split them really. Um, further down the prices, I've got a guy coming into this who's finished fourth and third on the PGA Tour so far this season. I did. I was surprised to see fifty to one. I thought I'd get forty, something like that. So, point each way, fifty to one. Paddy Power, seven each way. Mark Leishman. I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you pick Lamar Leach? second at the CJ Cup in 2017. And he's a, he's a, he's a little bit similar to Hatton, you know. And you, we find this with Australian golfers, don't we? Because Cameron Smith's exactly the same. They seem to really start firing in autumn. I mean... Leishman, ninth at the WGC HSBC in 2014, first at the Ned Bank on the European Tour in 2015, fifth at the CIMB in 2016, second at the CJ Cup 2017. He won the CIMB in 2018 in October, and he was third at the Safeway in September 2019. 13th at last year's November Masters, and if we remember that, I was on Cameron Smith that week at the Masters, 80 to 1, got a full each way payout on Smith, because Smith's exactly the same. So as we're moving towards Australian summer, lo and behold, the Australians seem to actually really hit their straps. Um, the thing with the Shriners' performance, I thought, with Leishman was, I and mean, Leishman can be an absolutely dog-awful driver of the golf ball, but actually last week, he was 3.27 off the tee. He was the sixth longest, and he was actually hitting lots of fairways as well. He hit 40, 56 fairways. And if that, that is Leishman's weak spot, the driving. Well, actually, last week it was his strength. So if he can keep that going this week, three of Leishman's six highest-level solo tournament victories have come in no-cut events. And he's also a Tom Fazio design winner where he won the 2017 BMW Championship at Conway Farms. Now, he come off that. He won that particular tournament in 2017 off of a third-place finish the week before in Boston. 
So we've got previous releasemen. When he's hot, he stays hot. President's Cup now back on the agenda for next year. All of a sudden, we start to see Sungjae in. We're seeing internationals towards the top of leaderboards. So yeah, Leishman for me, point each way fifty to one with Paddy Power. I thought he was a bit of a no-brainer at that price. And then I'm starting to go down this official world golf ranking play. There's definitely, definitely something with this CJ Cup and world rankings. 2019, Benny Ann was 48th. Tyrrell Hatton was 49th. Cameron Smith was 51st. They all hit the each-way payout spots. 50-1, to 50-1 and 40-1 to one respectively. Last year, Jason Kokrak, he took that to a new level. He won the tournament at 100 to 1. He was ranked 53rd in the OWGR. Also placing that particular week were Wacky Neiman at 46th in the world and Bubba Watson at 59th. They placed at 66 to 1 and 100 to 1. It's this sweet spot. You've got players here. Some haven't made the Tour Championship. Don't forget, if they make the Tour Championship, they get invites to some of the majors. If you haven't hit that and you're not in the top 50, you're in the outside looking in. So I'm going for three players in this particular area. I'm going for Justin Rose at 50-1. to 1. He's fighting to keep his top 50 spot in the world. I'm going for Sergio Garcia at 55-1 to 1 with Betfred, seven places each way, who, exactly like Rose, is fighting to keep that world top 50 place at the table. And I've also got this, this particular individual... It wouldn't say surprise me, but I love the price. Alex Noren. Alex Noren in my eight weeks trackers is sixth for strokes gained total over the last eight weeks. And he's 100 to 1 for this, Alex Noren. 60th in the world. Missed out on the Tour Championship by missing a seven-footer at, at um, the BMW Championship for par. If he'd have made that, he'd got into the Tour Championship. And that comes with a whole host of WGC and major invites. Missed it. So he's currently completely hasn't got any invites for any of the majors next year at this point. <clears throat> so I just think playing great golf, Noren, can shoot very, very low scores. And as we've discussed on this podcast for ages and ages and ages, bent grass or bent poa greens are his complete and utter Focus, well, focus. That's where he delivers all of his victories. So, yeah, I was all over Alex Noren this week. 100 to 1, seven places each way with Paddy Powell. So, those are my five. Alex Noren, Sergio Garcia, who Garcia, as we know, played some great stuff at the Ryder Cup. I... I get the feeling that, well, I'm hoping that him and Rose, are, uh, you know, they're proud men. They've been in the world's top 50 for particularly long stretches. Uh, if you actually look at Sergio, it goes back to 2011. He's been a member of the top 50 in the world. Justin Rose, I think it's tw uh, 2010. He's been a continual member of the world's top 50, Justin Rose. And they're just hanging on there at the moment, hanging on in. Uh, Noren is Noren 60th. We've got um, Justin Rose at 44th and Sergio Garcia at 45th in the world. The other one also that's hanging on with his fingernails is Ian Poulter. Poulter's going to be worth watching, I reckon, in the next couple of weeks. Because we know with Poulter, he plays these world rankings to a T and delivers when he needs to. And Poulter's history at places like Singapore, Australia, likes to get a very late season win in the calendar. Ian Poulter does. So anyway, Rose and Garcia are mine this week. Leishman and Morikawa. Right, I'll open the floor to you two guys. Yeah, go on, Barry. I mean, I, well, quickly, the only other one that's caught my eye, really, from, from what you've been saying, is Maverick McNeely, given what you said about the course and the fact that he finished yeah. second at the Fortinet. Um, well, of course, because I was on board. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I miscut last week at the Shriners, but there's 80 to 1 out there. And um, again, given the, given the local knowledge, that could be, that could be an angle of attack. 
Um, but yeah, no. I've, I've, other than that, I've got no other no other particular fancies. Uh, you, Barry? Uh, I joined Steve or independently got to Garcia and Naren. Um, more probably more along the lines. Well, the reason being that we've been talking about Sergio a bit um, in our messages, wondering if he's going to, you know, if he's hitting that weird tipping point, he's going to win. But um, you know, pairing that up with saying about Sungjae last week, uh, it's a little bit of a FOMO bet on Sergio. Um, but there's so, there's a reason he's popping in our heads. Like there's been a lot of really good golf and. Oh, yeah. You know that's a it's a very nice price on him, and similarly, like Noren's been um, popping up in conversations the three of us have had the last few weeks, and that's not without reason because of uh, you can see from the strokes gained um, over the last eight tournaments he's been really really good. So I love that price on him. Um, if you if you look yeah. at Cokerag Barry, I remember Cokerag last year. He'd been there or thereabouts during the playoffs. Yeah, he'd been thirteenth at the Northern Trust, sixth at the BMW. Bearing in mind, this is Jason Cokerag. So he then went to the US Open and got a top 20. So you're thinking, this, you know, he's hitting some great results. The week before this, he missed the cut at the Shriners. All of a sudden, you get 100 to 1. If you look mm-hmm. at Garcia and you look at Noren's results, they're kind of similar. They've been there or thereabouts in some very big tournaments across August. And then we can throw in the Ryder Cup angle with Sergio. Of course, Sergio then misses the cut the week after at the Sanderson Farms. What do you expect? He's 41 years of age, just gone through a pressure cooker of a Ryder Cup. It feels kind of similar for both him and for Noren. 100 to 1 as well on Noren, exactly the same price that Cochrane run at. Don't know. Yeah, I, I think Alex Noren is definitely, you know, this is for North American listeners. You know, he's a he's a perennial winner over here on the European Tour. He's won lots and lots of golf tournaments. They just all happen to be on bent grass or bent power mixed greens over the years. So for him to not win on the Euro, you know, 10 European Tour victories, he's the kind of player that can win on the PGA Tour. We've got no doubts about that. It wouldn't surprise me if it was this week either. So, yeah. So you're on board with both of those two, yeah? Yeah, yeah, and the last one is um, backing the backing Harold Varner. Just small bet, so I, I don't want to. I just don't want to miss it because he's got the new the baby boom had a, a baby this week. So um, just don't want to miss out on that in, in case it happens because we've ripped on him enough for not winning or not getting into the places. Yeah, it's interesting because he also likes a fast start, doesn't he? Could be uh, could be one for. A- a first round leader bet potentially then. D- that's a good shout. Yeah, it could be. Could yeah, it could be eight hundred through seven. Mm. Yeah, well. Oh yeah. Can, on this what course, Steve said that, about the way the course sets up. Yeah, on that. Good. On this mm. course, that is that is ready to go. Mm. Yeah, Varner. He's interesting. Um, let's move on to the European Tour then, Paul. Yep. My favorite. My favorite event of the uh, year: the Estrella Dam Andalusia Masters. Favorite because of the. I might nip round to the co-op later and get a couple of bottles myself. (laughs) Yeah, as I say, is it favorite because of the uh, because of the sponsor or the uh, because of the course they're playing? I like the mice cold just coming out of the freezer with the glass (laughs) that's also frozen as well. Uh, It's it's definitely nothing to do. Definitely nothing to do with Valderrama then. I do like Valderrama as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. It's a good course. It is. It's a real, real test, isn't it? Yeah, second leg of our um, Spanish swing. It takes us to Valderrama. And uh, we've got a decent field once again fighting for this uh, increased €3 million Euro prize fund, uh, double that which we saw last week in Madrid. John Rahm's here again, um, 16 to 5, so just over 3 to 1 as the clear favourite for this week's test. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick's here, 14 to 1. Bert Wiesberger, who was second favourite last week, has been pushed out to third favourite, 22 to 1 at best price. Adrian Aus, who came so, so close to winning last week, didn't he? 28 to 1. Uh, Thomas Peters, 30 to 1. Martin Keim is here, 30 to 1. Last week's winner, Rafa Cabrera Bayo, 33s. Uh, Matthias Schwab's over 35 to 1. 40 to 1 bar those players, but you've still got the likes of Thomas Detry, Guido's here, uh, Bobby McIntyre. There's lots and lots of quality in this field. It's a, it's a good event for a um, what is 
essentially a bog standard European tour event. So uh, good to see some of those names come over. And as Steve mentioned, you're getting seven places each way with a few firms, Paddy Power, Betfair, Boyles, Labrooks, as Steve's mentioned. Um, it's only a 126-man field, so that's decent enough. And, and given that uh, the field over in yours is only 78, there's some, some good each-way terms available this week. Uh, the course itself, Alderama, we've seen it a lot. We've talked about it a lot, haven't we? It's a tight, classical, tree-lined affair. It's been used for WGCs, used for the Ryder Cup. It's... Uh, used for the old season-ending Volvo Masters back in the day. Um, went off the schedule for a bit and then came back for the 2016 Spanish Open and, of course, then this event, which is now into its fifth renewal this year. So there's plenty of course stats to pour over on the website this week. Um, all of the course stats are for Valderrama themselves on the website and as opposed to just the Andalusia Masters. So there's plenty to get your teeth into if you like a bit of course form. The layout is 7,028-yard par 71, so particularly short by modern standards, but it can be decidedly nasty if it's firm and fast. Um, and Or if there's wind about as well, um, it can be, can be really quite tough. It's tough enough as it is, let alone when the conditions um, don't help. Um, and we've seen a couple of winning scores recently, which I'll go through in a second, um, of um, over, over par winning the totals. Uh, it does look dry and sunny this year, so it should play pretty firm. Um, we've got a bit of a mix in terms of conditions on Thursday. Thursday looks like it's going to be the toughest day. 15 to 20 mile an hour um, persistent wind with gusts maybe in, the, in excess of 20, 25. Um, that is really going to play tough around a, a, a firm Valderrama. <laughs> there's, there's gonna, they're not even going to be hitting 50% of greens are they <laughs> they struggle to do that anyway let alone when it's yeah I know so, so there, there are going to be some cricket scores out there on Thursday uh, Friday 10 to 15 miles an hour so, so no picnic but a little bit better and then it looks like it comes right down for the weekend for, for those who've managed to weather the storm and survive so it really will be survival I think on Thursday and potentially into Friday as well and then, uh, yeah, and see where it takes see where it takes us from there. Um, I'll give you a taste of some recent winners and winning scores. Twenty sixteen, when it came back on the schedule as the um, Open de España, um, Andrew Johnson, Beef Johnson, won hundred to one. His winning total was one over par for that week. Uh, Twenty seventeen with Sergio, he won at five to one. Um, he was twelve under um, for his total for four rounds. He defended the year later at nine to two. They only managed to get three rounds in because the weather was particularly bad. It was more rain than wind that week. He was twelve under through three rounds before they uh, before they knocked it on the head there that that year, um, winning at nine to two. Then the last two events, uh, twenty nineteen, Christian Buzwaden who won at eighty to one. He was ten under, and then last year in September again, firm and fast conditions. John Catlin won. 125 to 1, he won with a 2 over total. So when it's firm, when it's fast, when there's a bit of wind about, 2 over, 1 over, um, anything around level par can be a really competitive score around here. So it is a proper, proper test. Uh, hitting fairways is a good starting point here, but the challenge, the real challenge tends to be on the greens. Um, and, and unless it's super soft, um, as Steve just alluded to a second ago, Hitting greens and regulation is a real, real challenge. Look at the stat. I mean, all the stats are on the website, but uh, look at uh, Christian Buzwadenhu and, and John Catlin. Their two wins, both of them hit forty-seven percent of greens and regulation over the week. <laughs> so they're, they're scrambling. Don't scram get out on the PGA too, do <laughs> Absolutely, they're scrambling more than half the time. And these are the guys that won the golf tournament. Um. You need, you absolutely need to bring a short game. You, you need to hit some fairways. You need to find as many of these tiny greens as you possibly can. And then you need to be scrambling like uh, Houdini, like, like Seve, to, uh, to, to get yourself into a contending and uh, maintain that kind of winning position. So it's a bit of an all-round test in that respect. Looking at strokes gained, and we do have strokes gained for the last two years. Uh, Catlin was third for strokes gained tee to green, second for strokes gained around the green. And to back up that scrambling point, he was fifth for scrambling on the week. Very, very similar from Christian Buzwadenhu. He was fourth for strokes gained tee to green, first for strokes gained around the green, 
and second for scrambling. So two very consistent um, sets of stats. Catlin was slightly better from off the tee, but Zwagnu was slightly better with a putter, but both managed to get over the line and with similar kinds of stats. Uh, in terms of incoming form, um, coming into the event with some decent form seems useful. If you go the way back to Jeeve Milk of Singu once in 2006 um, uh, on, this, uh, on this course, every winner, each winner um, that I've listed had a top 10 in their last four starts. So some fairly immediate incoming form looks like a good starting point. As for course form, it's really quite mixed. You've got uh, wins from Sergio Garcia, which kind of blur the numbers recently. But if you go back to Beef, when he won in 2016, that was his course debut. Christian Bezwaden, who had played once, he finished 29th before winning in 2019. John Catlin had played once as well. He had missed the cut. So um, looking at sparkling course form may not drive you towards the winner this week. Um, I wouldn't put anyone off who uh, who's looking at a player who has some strong cause form because I think those who have shown an aptitude for playing here, um, you know, will have an idea of how to get to, how to get around or navigate around the course safely. But I don't think it's the be all and end all. I think you just got to enjoy the grind. I mean, John Catlin again in his win last year, he made eleven birdies on the way to victory. Just eleven birdies out of seventy-two holes. Again, you know, he, we get used to seeing twenty-two, twenty-four, twenty-eight birdies made on the course to to a, a victory. Eleven birdies. Martin Kymer, who finished second, made ten birdies. So it wasn't just a complete outlier. That was exactly how they managed to get round. It was just. Make par, par, par as much as you possibly can. Don't make any mistakes. And uh, if you can pick up a birdie here or there, then, you know, all, all the better. But, yeah, pars are, the, pars are the currency. That is absolutely the way to, way to deal with this. Drive it well. Scramble well. Hang on for dear life, particularly on Thursday and potentially a bit into Friday as well this week. So... It's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be good to see these players really have to uh, grind and uh, and find a way to navigate without uh, yeah putting that cricket score out there this week. Um, I've gone with four again. John Rahm kind of skews the market, doesn't he? Three to one or thereabouts. Um, I don't know. He's the, the numbers were a bit odd from Rahm last week. And, you know the fact that he was. Odds on so early, and you know, looked like he just gonna, he was just gonna kind of kind of just ease away and uh, steam through the field and maybe win by six. It just didn't happen, did it? It was great off the tee, but forty fourth for approach last week and fifty third for strokes gained around the green. Given that you're gonna need to make or find as many greens as you possibly can, um, even if it's only 50 percent, and you're gonna need to be picking up as many shots as you possibly can around the, the greens as well. Those two stats really don't interest me at that price. And yeah, I wonder if you'll just become frustrated as the, you go through the course of the uh, course of the week. He's defending this world number one position. And again, whether that's of any major consequence to him remains to be seen. But uh, if he does finish outside the top 15 this week, that does open the, the door to Dustin Johnson. So it'll be interesting to see how that manifests itself over the course of the four days. And before I've gone for, I've led the team with uh, Richard Bland this week at 40 to 1. I think you need a sound strategy and I think you need solid driving and excellent scrambling as we've discussed. You've got to minimise bogeys and if you put all of those in the mix, then Richard Bland ticks every single box. At 19th for driving accuracy for the season, 22nd for strokes gain tee to green, 28th for strokes gain around the green. Fourth for scrambling and second for bogey avoidance. Bear in mind those numbers are out of 200 or so players. So he's in the top, uh, top echelons of each of those stats and very much so for the scrambling and bogey avoidance, which I think are really key this week. Um, so yeah, it ticks all the, ticks all the stats boxes. Um, you look back at the Belfry where he won. He's not really dined out on that, that win. If you, if you're being honest, you know, at the age of 48, you could have expected him to, to kind of put, uh, put his feet up after that as job done. But he's, he's now up to career high as of last week of 78th in the world. Um, since that win, he's finished third at the Maiden in Himmerland, uh, fourth at the Irish Open, third at the Gazoo, fifth at the Italian Open, fourth at the Daniel Links, and then ninth last week at the Spanish Open. 
Um, some really good, strong performances. And it looks like he's knocking on the door of a second win, uh, particularly on a course that should suit him um, very nicely. 11th year in the Spanish Open in 2016. I think he's got the game and the, the, the kind of stoical attitude to, to get uh, to navigate around this course really quite uh, comfortably. So, so yeah, I was quite pleased to take Bland at that price, 40 to 1. Um, I've also taken Andrew Johnson, Beef Johnson at 50 to 1. And Beef won that 2016 Spanish Open that I just mentioned at, at one over par. That was his only win to date. But uh, he's also come close a couple of years later in 2018 at the, at the Indian Open. Now, you remember that Indian Open, that was that super tough track that, uh, that well, took a lot of criticism, I guess, because it, there, were, there were places where you would have uh, argued it was unfair in terms of this, the, the level of difficulty. But, but Beef came very close. He lost in a playoff that week to Matt Wallace. We were on Beef that week. So, of course, um, when it came down to the playoff, um, it was understandable that, uh, that he didn't win. But uh, he came very, very close. Um, and lot's gone on in his life since that point. It's, it's you know we've we've heard about his mental struggles. He's become a father, and that seems to have helped him quite a bit. And it looks to me like he's turned a corner, particularly this season. Uh, some decent finishes as well. Fourth in Spain at the Canary Islands Championship. That was his best finish of the season. But if you look at the other top tens, ninth at the Irish Open, sixth in particular at the BMW PGA Championship, both at a higher level than the Spanish. Um, outing where he finished fourth um, that all bodes well I think 24th at the Madrid um, or in Madrid last week he was 10th for strokes going tee to green 10th for strokes going around the green both pretty good indicators for this week and uh, in terms of season long stats 7th for scrambling 4th for bogey avoidance and that's exactly what I'm looking for in a player this week so, so Beef's in at 50s and Aaron Rising at 50s as well. And I think if we're looking for a player with a sound tee to green game as a good starting point, then we know what we're getting with Rye. Um, also, in terms of the scrambling and bogey avoidance stats, which I've been um, kind of waxing lyrically about, sixth for scrambling for the season, fourth for bogey avoidance. So it ticks those boxes too. He finished eighth here on debut back in 2017. Um, he's won a Fanling, the Hong Kong Open since. That's another... You know, kind of tight, tricky uh, tree-line test as well. He's a Rolex Series event winner um, back in uh, the autumn last year at the Scottish Open. That was on another tough, tough week. And that's all positive. The issue, of course, if you look at his record, he's missed the cut on his last three outings. Now, he's got his PGA Tour card now. He's been playing over in the States. Those three missed cuts were all on his um, first three uh PGA Tour outings since getting his card so um, it takes a little bit of time I guess to adjust sometimes and perhaps he's not quite there I'm not sure the course has particularly suited him over there to be honest um, this should suit him far better it's a far more exact, exacting test and perhaps he'll be a bit more in his comfort zone this week back in Europe back in a course that he's done reasonably well on in the past and that kind of seems, seems to seems to fit his game as well so I think fifty to one on Aaron Rye could look quite generous should he should he get himself in the mix a little bit further down the uh, further through the week. So Rye's in the last one I've done is Will Bessling at sixty six to one. Um, now he's fairly obvious on the face of it if you look at his raw stats. Sixth last week in Madrid, third here at Valderrama on his debut last September. So he's got that classic current form and course form combination which a lot of punters look for. And what's slightly less obvious, if you look through his record, is that he tends to perform best on these tougher tracks that are on the circuit or in tougher, tricky conditions. I mean, if you go back all the way to 2009, um, his best, and it's still his best OWGR performing uh, finish on the European Tour, he finished third at the Madeira Islands Open back in 2009 at four under par. The winning, winning score was six under, so that was a tough week. Um, he's finished fourth and third at the Diamond Country Club, which is never a pushover. It's a similar kind of skill set in my mind to, to this test here. Um, third at Leopard Creek in 2019. Now, Leopard Creek can be a lower scoring affair, but in 2019, it was tough. He shot six under. Pablo Larathabel won that at eight under par that week. So another single digit underscore winning total. And uh, best thing, I mean, he hasn't won on the European Tour yet, but he's four times a winner at lower levels. We've seen John Catlin, we've seen Christian Berswaden, who 
great great their maidens here at uh, Valderrama over the last couple of uh, renewals. So perhaps Besseling can be the one that, um, that that fills that gap this week. Should he uh, should he continue his good current form? And of course, and in conditions again, that I think will suit him quite nicely. So. So yeah, Bestling's in. Um, Bestling then, Aaron Rye, um, Andrew Beef Johnson, and of course Richard Bland at the top are my four against the field this week. Anything from you, Barry? <laughs> I've gone from Mike Lorenzo Vera. So has been having a not so awesome time with four missed cuts in a row, but uh, popped up last week with a 17th. Uh, and he's he has a sixth and a second here. I can't really, you know, the shows a little bit of form, and then clearly, you know, I need to stop using clearly because we all use it way too much. He um, gets along well with the course, so um, I'm going to go with the um, the course rhythm. Mm. Yeah, it, 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 I don't know. I, I when I look through Vera's record. Um, he always plays well in the uh, in the desert events as well. There seems to be mm-hmm. certain certain parts of the world or certain types of event that he really gets on with. It, great, great with his um, you know the short game and the putting when he's playing well as well. So I can kind of see how it could fit in. Um, but yeah, I I I was kind of semi surprised with his record here at Valderrama, but um, something that yeah, suits his eye by the looks of it. Something that he gets on with. Yeah, yeah, it's very kind of. Sp- yeah, I think this is a very black and white golf course, and that you either get along with it or you don't. You know, you, you can you can have your good weeks and your bad weeks and how you're playing, but uh, that doesn't take away from the fact that you know if you're having a good week and you get along with the place, yeah, you're you're going to go well. But you could be having a good week, hitting it well, but just it just doesn't suit your eye, and it'll eventually get you over seventy two holes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see, I can see, definitely see where you're coming from with uh, with uh, Vera. Yeah. What about Bessling? I know you've you've been on him before, is he? Be- Bessling, yeah, I, I might add him too because nice, nice odds. Um, you know, nice setup. Um, in terms of what what you just mentioned there on the show. Uh, beyond that, I don't think I'm going to go with anything. Um, more pre-event, I might hang on and just see what happens because. People can just get ejected from this tournament so quickly. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's particularly on Thursday, it could be a could be a bloodbath. Eh? That's for sure. Yeah. Yes. Well, are you Steve? Any anyone stick out to you? I've been onto our free predictor model, Paul, and I've just maximised our bogey avoidance and scrambling variables. Top ten: Marshall CM at ten, McIntyre nine. Jamie Donaldson, eight. Aaron Rye, seven. Alex Arnder Bjork at six. Then Bland, Hill, Ashan Wu, Beef Johnston and John Rahm. I just think Jamie Donaldson, second at Wentworth. And he's had a fourth and a tenth here in his last three outings at Valderrama. He's also had a third and that second at Wentworth in his last six appearances on the European Tour. He's up to 109th in the world, Jamie Donaldson, bearing in mind that two years ago he was 743rd in the world after the D&D Real Czech Masters. I think Donaldson's playing some great golf at the moment. He's that experienced sort that can just hang around. Started fast last week. In Madrid, oh, yeah, sixty to one on Jamie Donaldson. I think I'll take a punt on that. Last off my list this week was Jamie Donaldson, and um, so really, I got to the point where I'd I'd, I'd gone, you know, I'd, I'd maxed out where I wanted or what I wanted to stake on the event, so I'd, I'd left it there. But yeah, if there's if there's a fifth player um, that I'd have included this week, it would have been Jamie Donaldson. So I can see exactly where you come from. And, and for the reasons you just described, he's, uh, he, he fits, good. A, yeah, he, he fits a lot of the stats that we, that I was looking for in particular. And, uh, yeah, that second place finish at, uh, at, uh, Wentworth was a, a, a oh, good, outstanding. Yeah. A good mm. effort, wasn't it? Good, good effort. So needs a sponsor yeah. on his cap, but apart from that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I tend to, I, I struggle to get him right, Jamie, and um, I've, I've backed him a number of times over the years, and, uh, and I, I 
tend to be on the wrong side of his good weeks and, uh, and vice versa. But um, perhaps the fact that I've left him alone would uh, open the door for you there, Stephen. So you never know. You may well... Uh, <laughs> Just bear in mind, that 10th place finish in 2020, last year, he was second after 36 holes, third after 54, and finished 10th, final round 78. I think he's in a better space 12 months on mentally, especially after Wentworth, where I think if he got up there, he'd actually hang around. So, yeah. I can't argue with any of yours as well. I think Blandy's playing such, such great golf. This plotter's course is right up his street. Yeah, yeah. It's... I mean, you know, it a lot, you know, it wouldn't have been a long time ago that I wouldn't have even considered putting up Richard Bland at forty to one for for anything really. But um, it shows you how far he's come. As I, as mm-hmm. I said a second ago, is you know, as of last week, he's at a career high at the age of forty eight in terms of his world ranking. And you know, it, it it's not as if he's he looks like he's peaked. He looks like he's he's, he's still going. He's playing some really strong, consistent seventy eighth in the world. Yeah, yeah. incredible so, stuff. And some good stuff. So, uh, so yes. All good. Off to Mallorca next week for the final part of our uh, final part of our Spanish swing, which should be uh, should be good. New new course by the looks of it. So a bit of research to do before before next Tuesday's uh, podcast. So you're off to Mallorca, and I'm off to um, I'm off to uh, just outside of Tokyo, Japan, for the Zozo Championship. We are globe trotters, aren't we? Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. Much appreciated as ever. Yeah, best of luck, hope guys. Bet, hope your bets go well. Good luck, guys, yeah. And uh, thanks for thanks to you, listeners. Uh, I hope your bets go well as well. We will be back same time, same place next week for the Golf Betting System podcast. Don't forget your five-star reviews. We'll see you again soon. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back is the cut get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more cause it's the golf betting system the golf betting system is the golf